want to acknowledge those of you that are watching with us online, whether on Facebook or YouTube. I'm hopeful that you have both liked our Facebook page and subscribed to our YouTube channel um, so that you can stay up with things that are going on here at Destiny Generation Church. Um, you know, we've been really teaching on the dynamics of destiny relationships on our midweek service. It was about in September of last year that the Lord really gave me an unction to minister on relationships and particularly um, to focus on how you relate to your how you relate to your God, how do you relate to yourself, how do you relate to your neighbor, and how do you relate in the context of family? And first off, we started out spent some significant time teaching on husband and wife in relationship with each other, which is a very important thing, particularly now in the age that we live where it's being challenged. And then we start talking about um, the perspective of parents and children, and we've been on that. And so my intention is to finish that up today, and that'll be the end of this series for this time. Now, just know because I'm a person I like to check all the dots and check as many relationship things as I can whenever God gives me a topic there are some relationships that uh, I haven't come and I won't deal with necessarily this year that we'll come back to and give some specific teachings potentially sometime over next year around uh, relationships at church now that's a big deal um, in the age where um, people hashtag church hurt and believe that they can opt out of relationship in a kingdom community. Somebody's got to tell you that that's not the way that works. And I'm that person. And um, there are community relationships. How do you relate to your government? How do you relate um, in your workplace? How do you relate in your community? Now, we talked about love is loving your neighbor as yourself. That's true in all of those environments. But there is some, some, some things that you need to know because one of the ways that you prosper um, is by how God works through relationships. Yeah, if your relationship's good, is your, your money gets better. I'm just saying that's, that's part of kingdom prosperity is for God to give you relationships that um, enable you to prosper. God gives favor and wisdom and, and advancement through that. So. Those things are very much a part of the dynamics of destiny relationships. So we'll come back at you at another volume in a future date. But I'll tell you at the end on where I believe we're going from here. All right. So today we're going to kind of finish up our our teachings in this regard. Hallelujah. All right. So objectives, four objectives for um, this series and particularly this last component of our series, number one, to illuminate the basic how relationships, especially relationships that are developed for the purpose of glorifying God. Two, to elaborate on the love connection as the key to empowering in relationships, the, purpose, the principles upon which relationships consist and by which they are maintained and enhanced. Three, to differentiate the various types of spiritual, natural, and social relationships and their purpose for being from God's perspective. And four, to motivate you to be more intentional in your relational roles in every level for relational success. All right. So Ephesians chapter five, starting at verse 31, has been all the way down to chapter six, verse four has been our, our key for this one. And it says, for this reason, 
a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Um, verse 2 and 3 is the ones that we're going to particularly deal with today. Um, 2, 3, and 4. Um, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Verse 4, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. All right, so let's just do some some review pieces on this main passage of Scripture. Because we're coming to the end of this series, I have to make sure that I, I, um, I strengthen certain understandings. Pastor David, why did we start this series on dynamics of destiny relationships? Because I felt and I saw that there was relationships within our, within our church community as I looked at them that I felt needed strengthening and support. And um, I wanted people to have um, faith tools to help them focus on relationships. And so tying it into the things that we teach about on Sunday, right, God can't be rich and you can't believe if there isn't a preacher who declares God's truth into a situation. So no matter where, wherever your relationship is, some, some people um, are desiring relationships but haven't manifested. Some people are in relationships but haven't got the manifested peace, security, intimacy, um, support that should be in that relationship. Wherever you are along that relationship spectrum, I want to get you to have a word from God that you can use to to infuse into that. And so that's that's been um, the key pieces that we wanted to talk to you um, today around um, as we've done this relationship um, series overall. Now we've been talking about um, we've been talking about relationships in terms of child and parent relationships and the fact that in this specific subset of this um, series that um, that there are ages and stages in this relationship thing, and it changes. And so we gave you these eight perspectives, eight perspectives on parent-child relationships that we want to remind you of. Uh, we talked about children in the eternal plan of God. That means before they're in your womb, they are inside of God, right? Jeremiah the, the Lord came to Jerry when he was a young man and said, hey, man, before I put you in your mother's womb, I already knew who you were and what you were called to do. So children in the eternal plan of God. Then there's children in the womb. We, we say life began in God and then it manifested in the physical body in the womb. So from our perspective, you don't have a right to kill something that you didn't create. And so um, that's that's. That's, that's why our stand on, on abortion is as strong as it is, because we understand that this being existed in the mind of God. Now, if you did something before you got saved and so on, um, God's got it, the blood's cleansed it, I'm not trying to put anybody in condemnation. I just want to make sure that we have a sense 
that we go and sin no more. All right, so children in the womb. Then we talked about babes and sucklings and how important it is in the plan of God that you take care of children that are young, that you bring the child to be dedicated to the Lord, just like they brought Jesus to be dedicated, just like the young children came to Jesus and then um, his disciples rebuked them. And he was highly, the Bible says he was sorely displeased at them. He wasn't just a little bit upset. He was highly upset. And, uh, so Jesus cares about the children, all right? Then we talked about young children providing, guiding, directing, and correcting, that um, it's easier to crush an acorn than it is to cut down an oak tree. If you got a child with deviant behavior and they're small, deal with it while they're small, right? And don't let it get all big and just laugh it off and say it's cute because it's going to get big and ugly, and then you're not going to be able to eat the fruit of the seed you planted, all right? Then we talk significantly about transitioning children to adulthood, how there are scriptures that talk about the fact that a child is born and a son is given. In Proverbs, it talks about a child left to itself will bring you shame. But then it starts to talk about sons and then Son says that they have achieved a level of maturity and they're beginning to own up to things. And then it says, um, what my son listened to my ways instead of when it's a child, you're supposed to whoop them and make them mine. And there's a place for that. Train them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But after a while, um, the days of beating, <laughs> I was going to say the days of beating the hell out of them, but that's probably not a. That those days of getting that stuff out of them, um, those days pass on. And if you haven't built a bridge of relationship where you can really talk through issues before they get to the point where they can just turn you off, you need to start talking early. I mean, like really communicating. Not just you telling them and dictating orders. You got to have that bridge built before, <laughs> before you need it. Hard to build a house in a hurricane. Okay? So don't wait till you get to the, that point. You should be already, before they've left the house, yep, the training should be very clear. It should be very direct. They should, there's some things they should just know how to do. They may not always agree. But you should always follow up with, this is why. This is why this is important. I'm asking you. I know you don't like this, but this is the why. And I'm asking you to heed the wisdom in what, I, what I'm teaching you. All right? Then we talked about shifting towards marriage and multiplied family. Um, and the fact that now, before we talked about the fact that um, how the husband and wife relate to each other, but now we're talking about how the faith, how the way, the way that grown married children react and interact with their parents. And so, and what is good training at one time can be witchcraft when you're jumping in stuff that's not your business no more. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. <laughs> okay, so you got to be careful. Right? Because the scripture is very clear that um, 
a, a grown, matured man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. And so you, you got to um, just allow for the space that um, you're, not, you're not raising children to stay children. Hallelujah. And you don't want to enable um, a codependent childish behavior yeah. because you want to be needed and need to be wanted. All right. yeah. That's yeah. some good preaching, Pastor yeah. David. Yes, it is. So, um, and we just we just want to be be okay. We just want to be okay that. Um, that our relational needs in parent-child relationship changes, and it's supposed to change. That's even true spiritually. At the time that you ought to be teachers, you need one to teach you again. You should be eating meat, but now you need milk. So even God expects the relationship with you to, to change, that even God expects you to get spiritually get past the dumb stuff. Okay, and so that's all we're saying is understanding what season you are and then being able to change before the change is forced on you. Yeah. Like, you know, one day we was playing with dolls and then my, my daughter started talking to me about boyfriends and I was not prepared. <laughs> I was like, what in the what happened there? I mean, it just seemed like, I mean, you know. She was cool with daddy-daughter days for a minute, and then after a while, daddy was like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> okay, you know, wow, it just, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared. It just slipped in on me, and I wasn't prepared. So all we're saying is have the kind of mindset as you think through relationships to understand that certain things didn't come to stay the way that it is. And you should be okay with that so that you don't get crosswise with God and start hindering what God is doing in their life. And you start tearing down the thing that you built up because you're behaving inappropriately. All right? Last week, um, last week, uh, Pastor Butler uh started our ministry on elderly and ailing parents of adult children and we're going to finish some of that today all right and um um she was certainly the person to speak on this because uh she's she's probably forgotten more about this than most of the rest of us have, have even learned um just because of the experience that she has doing it and so she was certainly um, she wasn't just pinch hitting for me. She was the right person to speak on this. Amen. And, um, and so the Lord was very clear that, um, that, uh, what we talking about, she's already been walking about. So that's why she was the right one, <laughs> right one to minister on that. I'm just going to hit some of the scriptures there. And then finally, the last one on our list, and this is my intention, again, as I said earlier, is to close this up today, is planning and preparing for children beyond your lifetime. Um, just one comment here bef- while I'm still in this point. I'm, you know, some of y'all was watching all of the, did y'all watch all of the drama of the Aretha Franklin funeral? 
I mean, that was a big, long thing. And, of course, I was gone, but, but Honey here made sure that she had videotaped it on three or four different networks because she wanted the play-by-play from each and every one. And so <laughs> I asked the Lord when I got married, would he give me a woman that loved ministry, music, and business? And he did, all three in Jesus' name. So I have to be okay with how her package, how she processes that information. Okay, so anyway, um, you know, and everybody's talking about this, and, you know, this person said that, and this person did that, and, you know, and there's all this drama. But one of the things that really, really affected me is the, the thought that this woman is worth about $70 million and didn't have a will. That is sad. Now, y'all can be all upset. She's the queen of soul, but she wasn't the queen of planning her, planning for her beyond her lifetime. And the challenge in that is, you know you sick. That didn't sneak up on you. And while some of us haven't, you know, just haven't thought through or planned or had the money, because estate planning costs you money. Don't get it twisted. You do it right, it's going to cost you money, but you're going to pay on one end or the other. Somebody going to pay. So um, the fact that you got the cash to do it all and just let it be the chance to let somebody who you don't know, who may or may not care, get to divide and decide for you just boggles my natural mind okay so um that happens in destiny generation i'm gonna ask god to to let me raise you from the dead smack you and then put you back in the bro (laughs) i'm just saying okay i'm just I'm very serious, y'all. This is this is too serious. You know, whatever you got is what you got. Don't don't have somebody who could care less for you and your people making decisions you can make. I just don't want to make the decision. Okay, not making a decision is a decision. Right? I tell people, listen, you know, when I'm at work, you know, I'm not perfect. But I'm going to face the reality. What I hate is, this is me, right? Now I'm getting to the other part that I'm not going to teach about destiny relationships. I hate when other people have to come to my area and tell me something that's been going wrong. See, I feel like my parents, when they say, when somebody else had to tell me you acted up, it's on and popping. Okay? I feel some kind of way, right? I just, man, that just, listen, don't. You, you got me out someplace, and then somebody else had to come back and tell me about something that my child did. We going to have it out, and you there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Absolutely. Right? And so I just, and, and the one thing, when I sat down with my, with, my, with my director, my executive, he said, listen, the one thing I can say about David is, I don't ever have to tell him to do what, it, what I'm paying him to do. He won't ignore the difficult parts of the job. Okay? Good, bad, or ugly. 
I told him, I said, I'm not going to come looking for it, but if I find it, I'm never going to ignore it. And so what I'm challenged by is that there are parents who, because this is difficult, they abdicate their responsibility to make real decisions. And that's a problem, saints. That's a real problem. Heaven considers that a problem. All right, so that's our challenge is we want to make sure we do it right. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 16, we're talking about elderly and ailing parents of adult children. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 16, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. All right, it says, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, young, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. So this first part is talking to Paul, talking to Timothy about in the congregation. Like, you know, like there are uh, uh, elders in the congregation. He's saying, listen, pastor, you can't be talking to them old people like they just your kids. All right, that's, I'm... <laughs> All right, that may not be relevant to all of y'all, but I'm just telling you, he's, he's, see, God, see, he has, God understands dynamics of destiny relationships, right? All right, now let's look at verse three. Now it's talking about dealing with those among the congregation who, who have financial situations. And what he's going to say is before the church have to handle it, if the family is in God, the family should handle their own business, All right? So let's look at it. Honor widows who are really widows, widows who are completely destitute, who don't have anybody. Then, and this word here, honor, means to value them enough to spend ministry resources to take care of them. That's what it means. Really widows means they ain't got nobody. And I'll look at verse 4. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them, the children and grandchildren, first learn to show piety, good behavior at home, and to repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. I think that's pretty clear, isn't it? Right? So this passage of Scripture tells me that if we're in the, if, if this is truly destiny generation and there's a generation of your family in the church before you start coming with your hand out towards the church pocket, I'm going to go back, I can look back at you and say, what you and your sister's doing or your brother's doing to take care of mom? You agree? That's what that said, isn't it? Right? And not only can I ask the children, but I can ask the grandkids. Hallelujah. Okay, that's what that said. All right. Um, verse 5, and before we go on to this, this is good and acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So you get to good, the good, acceptable, you get to 60-fold by taking care of your mama. Okay, not just 30-fold. Right? He didn't say it's a perfect will, but it's certainly good and acceptable. <laughs> Woo! That's all right. Okay. Verse 5. Now she who is really a widow and left alone, trusting God and continues in supplications 
in prayers night and day. All right, so a person who's really a widow, who's, who's really all they got is that they're trusting God. They're spending all their time praying. Now, um, this is as opposed to an old sister that's trying to get her groove back, trying to dance and go to the parties. Look at it. Verse 5. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. That's talking about the woman that got her own. She, she, she old, but she got a boyfriend. That's, y'all, that's what that's talking about. That's what that's talking about. Okay, let's not. And then, <laughs> you know, um, Apostle, and we, at one point in time, she had some, some people come in here to teach about sexually transmitted diseases. And they say in the nursing homes, some diseases and stuff be going around. She that lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Stella be trying to get in her groove back. That's what that's saying. Verse 7, and these things command that they may be blameless. So he's telling me, I need to tell you all this. All right? But if anyone does not provide, the word provide there it, on my notes is underlined. Anyone does not provide for his own house, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That word provide is the word proneo. It means to look before in advance and make preparation. To look ahead and make preparation. Provide doesn't just mean I got money right now. Provide means, this word provide means that I'm considering what's coming and I'm making preparation now for a future. Okay. So, to do what this scripture says, then I've got to consider now, while mom is healthy, what can happen if she's not? And make preparation so that it all doesn't come up like me with my daughter, like I'm living in denial, and then one day it's there. Okay? Make preparation. To look beforehand. To, and and um, it literally means to exercise the mind in a certain direction. I don't like to talk about that. It makes me nervous. Having a plan for death ain't going to kill nobody. People act like if we talk about it, I don't just cussed you out. I didn't. Okay? So putting a plan, having a plan, thinking about all the things that could happen versus just all sitting around, everybody twiddling their thumb, looking at their shoe shine when something pop off. And then every, all the kids looking around saying, I'm too busy, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm too, I'm too, not me, not me, I'm not, because, no, y'all need to be thinking. Scripture says we're supposed to think about this stuff ahead of time, not after it all popped down and then we all trying to react and we all on the rebound. See, the devil catches us because he plans and we react. But this scripture says, anyone does not look ahead and had a plan together to provide for his own, especially those of his own household, he has denied the faith 
and it's worse than an unbeliever. Woo. Now, them is awfully strong words. If they weren't in the Bible, I wouldn't say them that strong, but I can't, I can't not say it the way it's written. He tells me, he commands me, he tells me to command the congregation to think this way. That was not a suggestion. Not a suggestion. Not a suggestion. Verse 9. Um, do not let a widow, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works, if she has brought up children, if she had lodged strangers, if she had washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. So he said, listen, 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 listen. Don't just have everybody come up to the church and be saying, hey, I need something. He put some restrictions on this. Now, Paul was a full gospel businessman. So he understood that there was only certain amounts of things that the church could handle in its overhead and still do ministry. So he said, now, if you're younger, you can go on and get married and go on with your boo and keep it moving. Don't have us putting you on the rolls and you, 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 know, you know, we, we call you the church widow mother and all of this. And then after a while, you get tired of being by yourself. Next thing you know, you say, Pastor, I need to go into marital counseling again. At least said, don't do that. You know, but some people have made a decision. Once I'm done, when I... When I'm done with Buster Brown, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I heard some church mothers like, listen, I ain't looking for nobody. I ain't thinking about nobody. I'm done. Okay? And so he says, okay, all right, now we can have a conversation. <clears throat> all right? Now look at uh, verse 11. But refuse the younger widows, for when they have begun to, to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry. They're going to want their groove back, okay? And, and, and that's not a sin. He's not even saying that that's a sin. Now the widow that says, I want to keep my widowhood status and have bro man, you know, just come over and do sleepovers, then we got to have a conversation. And I'm telling you, there's some people, you got to have a conversation. You can't ignore that. I mean, you know, if they're getting sexually transmitted diseases in the nursing home, you better be talking. <laughs> I'm just saying, stop happening. Okay. <laughs> just because they old don't mean they dead. <laughs> All right. Verse, verse 11, but refuse the younger widows for when they begin to wax grow wanton against Christ, they desire to ma marry and having condemnation because they cast off their first faith. What are you talking about? They made a vow. They had to, in, in Paul's day, you had to certify. You know how you have to certify, okay, if you're going to get, if you want the state to give you support and saying you need to go into a nursing home and all of this, they're going to say, before we take, before we give you state money, we need to certify that you don't have nothing else. They're going to ask you all these questions. They're going to ask you for, show me this and this and this and this and this. And they're going to go all down the line to make sure you really don't have nothing. So what this scripture says, before you can show up to the church in Paul's day, you have to say, 
I'm, I'm, I'm making a vow that I'm going to continue the rest of my days like, um, like Anna that was in the temple when Jesus was there. She had been a widow. She had been married, Scripture says, for seven years, but then she was in her 80s, and she, everybody was clear that she was just a church mother. She's there praying and fasting, spending time supporting the ministry. That's the kind of person that is talking about supporting the thing. But another one who just, you know, they still got some interest. They still got desire. They still want to be with somebody. Those are not sins unless you made a vow and then had the church, you know, support you based on that vow. And then you decide, I'm going to switch it up now. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Verse 13, and besides, they learn to be idle, wandering from about from house to house, not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies saying things which they are not. He said, then they go, they all young. They, they, they ain't spending their time praying. <laughs> they call, they causing confusion in the church. Now, these are Paul's words. These are not my words. Don't be mad at me. I'm just showing you what the Bible say, okay? Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. So what you don't want to do is, you know you still got relational desires, and that's real, and um, telling the Lord, no, no, I'm going to do this. No, 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 no. I remember when, <laughs> when my bishop was still alive, he said, listen, listen. He said, man, anything happened to me, I'm going to give it enough time so my kids get over it. He said, but I know I'm not meant to be by myself. So after a while, you know, I'm going to give it enough time, and then I'm going to move on and remarry. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. I told Lady Nedra, so just so y'all don't be hating. I told her, listen, you've been a good wife to me. Anything happened to me, I don't want you just stuck by yourself. I think you make a good wife to somebody. I ain't mad. I'm in heaven in Jesus' name. I am in heaven in Jesus' name. I'm doing all this to go to heaven. So me and Jesus is okay. I, what am I going to do? Well, I don't believe she married all that. Child, please. <laughs> I have told her. Okay, this is recorded. I have told her. I know it ain't none of your business, but I don't want y'all to be hating on her. She said, listen, she go remarried. I ain't mad about it. Okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we have to think through these things. We have to think them through. And that's what it said. Younger women don't have to do that. The thing that we don't want to do is, I've heard some Sisters around my age said, I'm never going to marry again. I'm like, and I'm not even, listen, I'm not angry. That, if that's your vow, that's a decision. I'm just saying it's awfully early to be saying something like that. You got a lot of runway in front of you. Okay, because some people are going to be like, now she said such and such and such, and then some people are going to be up there with attitude. I'm just saying. All right, so just pump the brakes. Don't, don't make no rash decisions or some rash declaration that you can't live out the rest of your days. Verse 16, if any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them, and do not let the church be burdened that it may relieve those who are really widows. 
You see that? See, God, God understands that for some people, the only family they have is their church family. And he's saying, if this is the only family you have, we should put some boundaries around it, but the church should be there to support the people that only have that. But he says, before we go to the church family, if you got some natural family, particularly naturally family that's believers, those people should step in first. And if you're younger and you think you're going you possibly you know, going to go ahead and marry, then we shouldn't be putting you on the rolls neither. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. And we expect that, um, as we saw from the scripture, both children and grandchildren are responsible. All right. So I love it when I see my nephews starting to make money. Lord, we can pass the load in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise to God. All right. Now let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 15. We're going to read verses 3 through 9. Matthew chapter 15, verses 3 through 9. All right. This is Jesus, and the Pharisees are challenging him because um, um, they were, I think, about to eat, and they hadn't washed their hands, and then... Um, they said, you're violating the tradition of the elders. But let's see what Jesus talked about. Verse 3 says, he answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, and then he need not honor his father or his mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth as far from me and in vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So um, the Jewish spiritual leaders were master money takers in the house of God. They knew how to get money from people. And so one of the things that they would do as a practice, just like, you know, in church history, there's, there's been um, historical periods where um, I consider ungodly men would try to sell indulgences where if your, child, if your loved one died and wasn't saved, you could pay some extra money after, and then they said they could pray them into heaven after they had left their bodies. Dad, don't, don't try that. <laughs> the church may get some money out of it, but the person who's dead, they hit. Don't, don't try that, okay? But they came up with ways. They were just trying to enrich the coffers of the church, um, and they really weren't doing it for the spiritual condition of the people. And so one of the things that they said in this passage of Scripture, they would say, listen, we know the Bible says that you must honor father and mother. So in Jesus' mind here, this word honor has to be talking about financial support. That's the topic here, financial support. That's the topic here. All right? And what they were saying is, 
even though the word says you should honor your parents by supporting them financially as needed, you could tell your parent, Mom, I love you, but I gave a really big offering to Pastor David and Destiny Generation. Sorry, you hit. And Jesus here says, that's crazy, right? So, um, so he says that when you do things like this, you make the word of God ineffective and your worship is all mouth without the heart of God. Because I've seen, <laughs> I've seen people, family, who is all super religious, but then aren't taking care of natural stuff. Right? Pastors are notorious for this kind of stuff. Like, like I really work to cultivate the relationship that I have with our daughter. Because I don't want to be up here preaching to y'all kids and then mine's going to hell in a handbasket. I'm not authentic. Now, that doesn't mean she got to be perfect. I can't, you know, I can't be God for her no more than I can be God for anybody else's children. She got to come to know Jesus herself. But I'm at least going to work on it. Not just preaching good messages in the church and then having a relate, having a religion that is just man-made, man-made rules and regulations separated from the heart of God. Giving y'all mouth service, but my heart, God looks at my heart and like, child, please, I'm not listening to nothing you say. I don't want that to be for me. All right? And so we want to make sure that our relationship with God, God considers it authentic by how we handle these kinds of relationships. So Jesus, listen, if Jesus got something to say about it, it must be important. Okay, so um, let's consider that piece, all right, as we think through our apparent relationships. Now, uh, when Pastor Butler talked about it last week, um, she talked about um, letting uh, your parents experience the overflow of your relationship with God, the way that God's love and character works through you, they should be able to get the overflow of that, that it is an honor, shouldn't feel like a burden. Um, and and um, from the child's perspective, this scripture says that I should be planning for the elderly side. All right, so that's one as in a grown children of, um, of elderly people. Now, you got to have some dynamic discussions when marriage is involved. All right, because these not one-way conversations. We've already spent several months talking about marriage, so you got to have, y'all got to come to some agreement, baby. <laughs> good, good, good. Listen, don't, don't mess up your home front. All right. But if you've sown enough into your own relationship and done it right, then you should be seeking God that you too can come to some agreement around how we handle these things. And then you find what you can do. And then in the context of the, of the group of siblings and families that you work together on this. And it, but please get agreement at home too, in Jesus' name. 
all right? Your, your pastor has some real balanced teachings, some real balanced teaching. Because some people don't do that stuff right. I'm just saying. I'm running off because mama called me. Oh, pump the brakes, bruh. I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of mama. I'm just saying make sure you're home taken care of before you run off to see my mama. Okay? All of these things, because you can't use one to absolve you of your responsibility for another. Right? So we want to be people, and we want to think about this. And listen, God understands all the dynamics of these relationships, so he can guide you through it. But you can't, you really need wisdom from the Lord to manage all of the things that have to be managed. There needs to be wisdom. Like, like here, you know, apostles out doing some stuff, and then the Lord said, no, you need to get on a plane. Change your schedule. That sounded awful definite, Lord. Yep, it is definite. It wasn't a suggestion. I wasn't asking you. He was like, nope. And then, because he told me to do it, when I went and had the discussion with my boss, he had worked everything out. Listen, I need to talk to you today. Today. No, 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 no. I need to talk to you today. Ding, 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 ding. No, no, Dave, that's fine. We, we worked it out. We put our plan together. But the Lord was in it. I knew that God was telling me to do it now. You understand what I'm saying? So what I want you to understand is if you open to God, he going to talk. What I didn't want is, okay, I ignore and then something happened, and then I'm sitting around because I didn't take, you know, the parent trip. I'm on a guilt trip. Okay? All right? All right? Now, I have sown enough into my relationship with Lady Nedra. We didn't have any problems. You know, the budget was there, none of those things, but I made sure we was... All in line, this is what's going on. We're working on the agreement. We're working on the unity. I, you understand what I'm saying? We, we want to be like this. And I'm very sensitive when she says, okay, mom's got such and such and such. I need to go see. Okay, I get it. I got it. Right? So we just want to be people that are sensitive. If you're sensitive, then the spirit will give you what you need to know. Just don't ignore this and think it's just going to go away. It doesn't handle itself, all right? All right, um, planning and preparing for children beyond your lifetime. Let's look at um, 2 Corinthians 12 and 14. Now, this one may sound contradictory to some of the things that I just said, but it just comes from a different perspective. So they're not contradictory. This, the, the previous one deals from the children's perspective to the parents. Now, this one deals with, from the parents' perspective for children. 2 Corinthians 12 and 14 says, this is the Apostle Paul talking, and he says, Now for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Okay, that, that doesn't mean if your parents are in trouble, you shouldn't. But he's saying that as a parent, when I'm thinking about life beyond my lifetime, that one of my perspectives is that I'm thinking through how what I am doing 
and the resource that I'm accumulating, how to make sure that the generations behind me have a stronger start than I had. You know, one of my bosses was in a similar um, position to, to Lady Nedra and I. Both her and her husband were managers, and so they both had company cars like we do, et cetera, et cetera. And when they kids went to college, I was like, woo-wee, because, like, they paid for the colleges, and they was all, like, University of Michigan, so they weren't cheap colleges. And then when they got out, they bought their first houses. I was like, Jesus, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, my God, man. I mean, they did that thing. Now, I can't say they give like I give, and I can't say they did everything I did, but, and they were just savvy, you know, and they had generational wealth and so on. Now, God made up the difference, so I'm not mad at nobody, but I want there to be a generation that in the Johnson family, I'm just saying. Okay. So my, my, my thing is, is that every generation shouldn't be starting from zero if we do it right. Look at uh, Proverbs 13 and 12. 13, 22, Proverbs 13, 22, sorry. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. It says that... I should be thinking not just having an estate for our daughter, but for our daughter's children. All right. Now, some people have wills, and some people just leave bills. <laughs> okay. But from heaven's perspective, a good man should be thinking about that I'm going to accumulate all and that, that bumper sticker, I'm spending my children's inheritance. God doesn't consider you a good man. Now, if you had to do everything, uh, at least to take care of yourself as far as you can so as not to be a burden is one level, but the next level is to prepare something for your children and the generation beyond them such that their start is stronger than yours. All right? And God considers that good. Okay, so four, four key points that comes out of this. Um, that should be, there you go. Number one, God considers it good for a person to accumulate, protect, enjoy, and then transfer one's private estate, estate to their children and their children's children. All right. So I know, you know, we're in a society where everybody thinks inherited wealth is, is bad. Like everybody came for one of the Kardashian girls because they said she wasn't really self-made. I don't want my children to be self-made. Listen, I think they should get a leg up from what I did. If I got it honest, if I didn't steal from nobody to get it, then it's my choice who I give it to. Now, I don't want to give it to them to blow it. I would rather give it to somebody that's not my family than to give it to my family and they blow it. And I think that's biblical too. Okay? But there's nothing wrong. The Bible says it's a good thing. God considers it good. Right? So inherited wealth is not a bad thing. What's bad is that you give it to kids that are lazy. 
and that don't understand the value of what you spent your life accumulating and such that it's, it's vaporized before your body has fully decayed. And there are folks that's like that. Listen, listen, it would be better for you. You got, you got folks like that, you don't have nobody, then sow it into the ministry. Now, I ain't, I'm not telling you we should have all your stuff, okay? But there's a lot of churches that really teach people how to include the ministry in estate planning, and that might be the best option, okay? Nothing wrong with it, right? Please consider it. Um, I'm not even saying that should be your primary, but I am telling you to look hard and make real hard decisions. And what ha people do is they have, you know, great funerals where we all sing and dance like they did for Aretha, but they didn't make the hard decisions. So now everybody got their hand out, and then all of them can't stand each other because all of them suing each other in court. Because everybody thinks they should be them now. She didn't say it, so it must be me. Even the living boyfriend. <laughs> Number two, God considers it bad for a person to not exercise their intellectual ability to think through and develop a plan that enables them to provide for the needs of their household and the elderly in their family. And failure to plan by definition is a plan to fail. God considers that, he considers that bad. And you gotta deal with this, see, if it's not a sin, y'all might not deal with it. <laughs> you, see, if it's just a suggestion, you know, but if I tell you if it's a sin, see, then a whole nother mindset kick in that I got to do something. So <laughs> that's why I showed you the scriptures to make sure you know that God is not, listen, y'all, this is serious. And our witness, the witness, my parents did not have a lot. But when my dad died, their estate planning was together. We had, we had clear for the children that were not adults, even though they did not have very much. I can't afford to do it. They couldn't afford not to do it. I knew that if anything happened to my parents, my parents had already asked my godparents to take care of me and finish raising me. They had made the decision. It wasn't spookiness. It wasn't, we knew who it was. And it was in writing. And they had an estate planning attorney. When you don't do that, God considers you not good. Okay? We have to think through it like that. And we have to think through our grandchildren when our children are not the greatest parents in the world. These are difficult discussions. These are not easy. But to just do nothing and just wish it away is abdicating your responsibility and asking God to do your job. God told me 
to, to, to throw away your good health is asking me to be the husband to your widow wife and the father to your fatherless children because you haven't managed your physical body. Get your act together. Do you see the principle? Don't ask God to do something that you could have handled yourself if you had just gotten yourself organized to think through it. Now listen, putting this kind of plan together is hard work. It is not easy. And you're not going to do it on the cheap. You're going to have to pay some money. Let me say it again. You're going to have to pay some money. Let me say it one more time. You're going to have to pay some money. Because the cheap plan, is going, they're going to pay for it later. You're going to either pay for it on the front end or the back end. Attorneys in Detroit going to get rich through the Franklin estate. I'm just telling you, them brothers... They gonna get paid. They gonna get paid. It's gonna be years. They gonna get paid. Mm-mm. It's gonna spend a long time and they gonna get paid. Right? Because a decision should have and could have been made, but wasn't. So now somebody else, we got to depend on the mercy of the merciless. Number three, wealth accumulated by unrighteous means will not securely transfer to your future generations. Okay? So, like, I'm really not just working on accumulating wealth, but I'm working on how I accumulated wealth. A bishop and I were talking about a businessman... Um, who has some unscrupulous means, even though he's in ministry, and he told me before he passed, God going to deal with him. His wealth will not securely transfer to future generations. Okay? So how you get it matters. How you accumulate what you accumulate. And if you've done it right, then you have the right to ask God to help you to transfer it right. Now, don't confuse doing things for your children with doing things with your children. Don't get money and haven't given them mentorship to handle the money that you've given. Don't, don't create a bunch of stuff, but because you haven't mentored them, while you was all out making money, they don't even know how to handle what you gave them. Do you see how now, that's why all these dynamics of destiny relationship are so important. I can't reteach all of that stuff, but if you've messed up all of the relation peaks, teaching them, guiding them, correcting them, fix it, fix it. When they decide that they're gonna leave the bike outside, and let it get rained on because they're too lazy to bring it in. Fix it there. Fix it, fix it when, when, when they can't keep their room clean or manage their allowance. Fix it there. 
start teaching them financial principles. Teach them how to take care of the house before you give them yours. Teach them who Bill is and how he comes around every month wanting money. Teach him how to pay Bill. Teach him. Don't, don't wait. Teach him this, this stuff. Because if not, they're going to lose your house on taxes. Teach him all of the stuff that you need to start thinking through. Teach them. Teach them. All right? Finally, number four, there is an empowerment to prosper to the point of meeting the needs of your extended family if you will lay hold of it by faith. Now, your pastor has been teaching you about faith. He's been teaching you about the blessing of Abraham. Listen, Abraham, Abraham was very dynamic in his estate planning. He gave all that he had to Isaac and gave, <laughs> gave Ishmael a bottle of water and told his mama, peace. He did. And then after Sarah passed, he married this black woman named Keturah. Go back and read it. Pastor David is not making up. I'm not. You just make think everybody. I ain't say everybody in the Bible is black. Don't, don't put me in. Don't paint me with that brush. But go back and read it. Abraham married a black woman named Keturah. Once you go black. Anyway, okay, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. That was just Pastor David just talking. Don't write me no ugly letters. That was, I was just humor. That was humor. But he did not give those children what he gave to Isaac. Each one had their own little thing. He gave them gifts. He didn't leave them with nothing. But he, he did not give them what he gave. His principal son, he didn't. All right? So I just want us to be like, we think we should just split it all evenly. And I'm telling you, you need to think harder than that. Your pastor is telling you, I'm using the authority of my position now. Your pastor is telling you, you don't just split it all evenly down the middle. You look at who that person is, you look at how they handle resource, you look at how they take your teaching, you look at know how they know how to take stuff, and then, and then you, you make decisions appropriately. Because everybody in heaven is not going to get the same reward. Stop it. Listen, that's why I work as hard. People wonder, why I have pastors. I had my bishop say, man, what you put in messages, we, we just have never seen it like that. Because when we get to heaven, I want my stuff to be outshining yours. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. If you want to know the truth, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Okay? Because I believe that God going to reward people differently by what they put out. And so you have to be okay with having the difficult discussions and tell them why they're alive. Listen, if you ain't putting in, you might not be getting out. 
Don't have them figure it out after you go. Tell them, look them in the eye and tell them. Look them in the eye and tell them. They might get their act together. <laughs> Y'all think I'm, the, I'm always the black sheep. You want you be as black as you want to be. <laughs> you know, people try to stop, stop letting your kids guilt trip you. Stop it. Let them go on that trip by themselves. You know, that plane has already left the station. <laughs> I'm not going on that trip with you. Okay? Now, let's think about spiritual things for one second. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Been talking to you about covenant. Moses came with the law. Jesus came fulfilling the law of Moses and was the seed that God talked about to Abraham and to your seed was Jesus Christ. We read that in Galatians on Sunday, didn't we? He came to the seed of Abraham, but he told them, don't say that you have Abraham as a father. God is able to take from these stones and raise up seed to Abraham. He, what was he telling them? There was an inheritance due you, but if you don't honor me, you're not going to get it. And God will take spiritual children, that's you and me, that's how we got in, to, and he gave us the inheritance that was due to Abraham's natural seed. And then God tells the, the adopted children, I'm giving you a theological lesson. Go back and read Romans chapter, chapters like 9 and 11. God tells the spiritual children of Abraham, y'all be nice to the natural children of Abraham. Because listen, I would hate, I would hate to do all of what I'm doing in ministry here, transfer this church to a spiritual son, not nothing's wrong with it. They qualify. They, it could be them. Don't have to be somebody with my natural blood. They got to be had the blood of Jesus in them. But then, after transferring it to a spiritual son, I would hate for them to mistreat my natural sons and daughters. All right. So Abraham gonna look at you funny if you mistreating Jewish people. I mean, you getting my blessing as the spiritual seed, and then you mistreat my natural children. He would take that personal. I know I would. So the Bible tells us don't mistreat the natural children of Abraham because you're a spiritual child of Abraham. And then what, what it also says in the book of Romans is, is that at a certain point, the spiritual children that are on the outside are going to be brought back into their own tree. So what I say is, that from heaven's perspective, you should consider, Lord, if my natural children are ready, is there some spiritual child that I can entrust, that's the word, entrust with my estate to take care of my natural children because they're still in their dumb days. Abraham said it this way, God, you haven't given me seed, and this man Eleazar is going to inherit everything that I have. He had thought through his estate planning before Isaac was on the scene, before there was an Ishmael. He thought it through, 
and had de designated which one of his servants was supposed to inherit his wealth. But everybody want to stick their head in the sand. They don't want to make the hard decisions. I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. Okay. All right. I, I don't think that's biblical. But people don't want to make the hard decisions. But the Bible holds you accountable to make the hard decisions. You have to be the parent. Do your job. I know that's kind of tough, but that's the reality. We got to do the job. You got a kid who is an adult, which means you have already got them to the point of maturity. And then they have a substance abuse problem, and you know it. Maybe they're addicted to opioids or got into, you know, crack cocaine or heroin or some other thing that you know, you know, while you're still alive, they would run game on you if you let them. You know it. Nobody got to tell you. You know it. Why in the world? Why? Why would you give them your money after you die, knowing that all they're going to do is blow it, smoke it, ingest it, inhale it, right? Inject it. You know what they're going to do because they haven't gotten out of this. And, and, and the plan of God, what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to have at least one son or daughter that you can trust. And then when you're gone, that one, you're supposed to look that person in the eye and say, look, when they get their act together, I'm expecting you to take care of your brothers. And that's a person that's supposed to have enough honor and character that they will do that even when you're not here to hold them accountable. That's the way the Bible says it's supposed to run. They're not supposed to be out there with nothing, but then you don't, you don't let them run through the house with scissors. You don't let them hurt themselves with your money. You're supposed to have somebody who you can entrust and tell them when they get their head in the game, I want you to turn this over to them. And then they're not supposed to get amnesia after you did. Because some, some people do. They get amnesia. Now that you're not around, mama not now. It's mine now. <laughs> She's she not here now. She can't tell me nothing. You know. See, and you can't put all that down on paper. They got to have that spirit in them. I'm, I'm trying to cultivate in myself the spirit to know what it would take to take care of my family if my mother was not around. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pastor Day, why do you think like this? Because I've read it in the Bible. I spent time thinking through what it means to be the principal son. What it means to be entrusted with wealth and expected to act on it the way that it was told me to act on it. Now, it's her decision. She want to get somebody else. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, whatever decision she makes, that's her business. Not mine. It's just her choice. You understand what I'm saying? But I want to have the kind of personality and character 
that I don't flip out when God puts money in my hand that's not for me. And, oh, by the way, I'm sowing a seed that I want to reap in a generation when I'm no longer here, too, by the way. Just so we all clear on that thing. Right? All right. Um, go on to the next slide here. Seven key principles of biblical estate planning. One is pre-planned implementation. That's planning beforehand. Proverbs 22 and 3 says, sensible people will see trouble coming and avoid it, but an unthinking person will walk right into it and regret it later. The second one is financial accumulation. That comes from Luke 14, 28. Which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down and counts the cost? Count what things that, um, that you'll have to run through in the course of life and what happens beyond your life. Sit down and think about it. Pastor, I need help. We'll find some attorneys. You don't got some recommendations? Your pastor got recommendations. Okay? But don't just let it, don't just let it lie and make other people have to figure out and do the hard work because you wouldn't. Three is diversification. All right? So when you're accumulating your estate assets, you diversify what assets you hold, whether it's cash, real estate, stocks and bonds, capital equipment, what, what structures that they're held in, meaning um, bank accounts, a foundation, um, and then where they're held, even flags of convenience. You know, I believe that it's biblical to have international diversification. That's all I'm going to say about that one. All right. Um, four is tax minimization. What's tax minimization? All right. There is a difference between tax evasion and tax avoidance. Tax evasion gets you sent to jail. If there's taxes you owe and you don't pay, they lock people up. Just ask Wesley Snipes. Okay? I'm just saying this. People try to evade taxes that are there. On the other hand, there's ways that you can manage your money to minimize the taxes. One of the realities that we have as people who don't own businesses own businesses is that we have to pay as employees at a higher tax bracket than the people who make way more money than we do because the tax law favors business owners. Like, do you remember when they, when they, when uh, Mitt Romney showed his tax return? I'm looking at this like, this dude getting over like a fat rat. And he wasn't doing, and it, nothing was illegal. He was just practicing tax avoidance. And people may hate the president, and I'm not even saying there's no cause other than the fact that God tells us to forgive. But the dude has practiced tax avoidance to a science. Okay, learn the rules. Learn how to play the game that is. 
not the way you want it to be, and play it to win. Tax minimization. Stewardship qualification. Don't let your children have access to the accounts without accountability. All right? If your children are allowed to mishandle an asset, whether it's a car, a cell phone, or a coloring book, without respect to the time and the labor utilized to make that asset available, then your family wealth will be gone in less than three generations. Woo! So you start while they're small, teaching them how to take care of stuff. And when they don't, you check them on it. Because you're teaching them principles, not for now. You're teaching them principles for later. You know how to put stuff together and repair stuff. Take them out and make them repair stuff with you. For the time when this day house. Well, I'm sitting there playing video games while you doing all of the fixing. You better get them, get them, out, there, get them out there with you, okay? Get them out there and make them hustle. Six is wealth fortification. Um, there are unscrupulous people that want to lift your heavy load. And there's people that are practiced and skilled at taking elderly folks' money. Spend all the time getting them to give them their passwords to their computer so they can lock them up and charge them ransom to undo them. Spend all of their time. They're good at this stuff. Listen, and you better help them. You better help your elderly people. I ain't mind trying to get your money. I'm trying to help you keep it. We have to have these conversations. And, and you better be checking. Mom, where's this coming out your account? You better be looking. Not because you're trying to take something, but you're trying to keep other people from taking it. Wealth fortification. And the last one is spiritual impartation. Don't just give them money. Give them the spirit of God and the principles that you have that you have accumulated over your lifetime. Make sure you really have real legacy because you have really given them the truth that got you to where you are, not just the stuff you got. Give them what you've learned, not just what you've earned. And if all they come out is what they hand out, not with their ears out, trying to listen to what you've learned, then you got to make some real hard decisions. Some of y'all need to have some trust that they can't, your kids can't touch so that the grandchildren have a shot. For some of y'all, that would be the best use of your wealth. Pastor David, that's awful hard. Well, the Bible's hard. You get another book, then we'll do it your way. All right, last, last piece of this series, one last list. This is my list of how I think through leadership beyond my lifetime. Let's look at these eight, eight um, dimensions of lifelong leadership. So let me just talk about this. The first one is love. We, deal, we dealt with that. Love of God and man in that order. Right? 
The second thing that I want, first thing, right? That's the first thing. I love God. I love him. We spent some time dealing with that. Life. That word life there is what John 10, 10 calls life abundantly or Zoe life. This is not as much talking about stuff as it is valuing things of eternal impact and making a temporal or a time-based difference. The third is lessons. God, I want my life to be an accumulation of lessons, things that you've taught me, things that I understand, and that I can transfer those lessons to future generations. That's truth identified, exemplified, meaning I'm an example of it, codified, which means I've, I've taken the time to distill the truth and then testify. Even the things that I've taught you today about estate planning, I've been studying that stuff a long time. Minister John will tell you I got oodles and oodles of teaching on what I just gave you today. But it's because I'm trying to accumulate truth. I'm spending my time studying people who I believe can help me understand how are they able to build over generations and do things that we cannot. We got to figure this stuff out. All right. The fourth, there is leadership. Leadership, when, and this one is talking about causing your life to create meaning and impact on others. Do you think about the fact that you walk in love, that you live the God kind of life, that you have learned lessons, and based on that, you can extend leadership to other people? All right? Fifth is lineage. Lineage is re reproducing after your kind. Do you, David... God promised David that there would always be a man to sit on his throne all the way down to Jesus Christ. Do you think about, am I going to have a godly seed after I'm done? And you can't figure that once it's done, you got to be thinking about that all the way along. Lineage. Leverage. Leverage says, Let's take all of the life and the leadership and the lineage we have, and let's make a difference in our world. Can, can we move something forward? Our vision, um, script, our vision and mission here to, to raise up a light that transforms Flint talks about leverage, that I want to do something here in terms of my life and leadership that moves my city forward. That's what leverage, leverage says, I'm trying to lift something bigger than what I am by the strength of our efforts and leadership. Amen? Leverage. Um, seventh is leaving. Leaving is the fact that I'm going to eventually at some point in time with all of the stuff that I'm doing, I've got to make sure that this thing can live on without me. I've just seen too many pastors hold everything together with the strength of their will and personality, and as soon as they're gone, it's gone. I am very concerned. I don't think, I, this is just me talking, I don't think I've done enough yet to make sure that this ministry goes on without me. What, Pastor, why are you working so hard? That's why I'm working so hard. I'm trying to get enough of me in enough of you that this thing can move forward if I was in heaven. Leaving, and then finally is legacy. Legacy is leadership beyond your lifetime, teaching beyond your tenure, and mentorship in, in memorial. Legacy is the work that starts once your work on earth is finished. Legacy says that I have leadership inside of me 
that can move people forward and they can remember my life lessons and then even when I'm not here, they can still move forward based on the things I've taught them. That is you thinking through what happens beyond your lifetime. I want you to be thinking about your generations. What have, what have I done? And if you haven't, listen, it takes a lifetime. This kind of stuff, you're not going to do that. And don't pack a short bag for that trip. <laughs> don't pack an overnight bag for that one, baby. You're going to you're gonna have to put some, some, some years in getting this kind of stuff perfected, right? But that's okay. You getting older. They're going to get older. You might as well spend your time sowing destiny into your future generations. I just want you to have a framework to think about. Well, praise the Lord for all of you that have joined us here. I pray.